Who was the first teacher in your journey who really saw you, whether it was at Dunn or prior, really saw you? Yeah, I mean, Willie Hay, right? Willie Hay. I mean, unfortunately just retired. Fortunately and unfortunately, I'm happy for him that he retired because yeah. he earned it. But like yeah. Willie Hay, man, like Willie Hay was my advisor at Dunn. Wow. And he taught honors math. Okay. So I had him every step of the way, yeah. both personally and professionally wow. throughout my high school wow. career. And if you don't know, look him up because this man, like, he might be the GOAT. Like, he might be the greatest <laughs> of all time of teachers. Wow. Like, you know. Welcome to the Whole Student Podcast with Cal Balavan. Whole Student refers to the magical moment when a student is fully seen, heard, and known. This is the spark of a relationship between student and teacher where the former is catalyzed on a journey beyond what they thought possible, and the latter is a proud advisor cheering from the sidelines. The whole student podcast asks guests to reflect back on their moment, the person who became a transformative teacher in their lives, and on the journey they were set upon. Our guest today is Justin Ching. Justin is a Forbes 30 Under 30 award-winning writer-director. Most recently, he directed the featurette for the Oscar-nominated film, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Previously, he worked on Netflix crime series Heist and developed feature films for Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin Entertainment. Prior to this, he was a showrunner at Fox. He began his career at Disney before moving on to YouTube, where he helped develop channels for Vice, BuzzFeed, and Jay-Z's Life in Times. Hove! JC, as he is affectionately known, is also an educator in his spare time and an adjunct professor at the University of Southern California and serves as a board member for his alma mater, Dunn School. It is my pleasure to have Justin Chang on the podcast. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate you, man. So Justin, you're one of our youngest guests and <laughs> you've done a lot in your life. And uh, in that time, people can talk about uh, all the things that you've done, the spotlights on you, but I want to take the spotlight off of you and put it on your teachers. And uh, in order to do that, you need to talk to us about the kind of student you were. So describe yourself, please. I mean, what kind of podcast is this? Like on the range from NPR to the Draymond Green podcast. Yeah. How are we really going to get here? Uh, well, you know, let's let's go Draymond Green with it. <laughs> you know, we got the championship chip. So, you know, number four. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the J.J. Reddick version. I feel like uh, that's, fair, that, fair, that's fair, like fair. the more toned oh, down toned version, down, toned right? Down. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, like I, it's no secret that I was a troubled kid coming into Dunn. Um, you know, I, for a lot of reasons growing up, uh, had my challenges. And I very much came to Dunn as a late addition. Um, I didn't plan to go to Dunn. Like it wasn't something oh, okay. that was like, that had uh, a, a lot of foresight. It was yeah. really like, you know, I was, I'd gotten suspended my second semester of eighth grade year in, wow. in junior high school. Wow. And so my mom um, was kind of worried about the prospect of me going to the public school, public high school. I'd Got gone it. from, you know, my educational history is, is, I sort of tried every school there is to try. If that makes sense. Okay. Like, I started preschool at a uh, at Episcopalian Christian school. Wow! That ran all the way through until eighth grade. But you left in sixth grade. I got in trouble there. 
I'd gotten in trouble kind of all along the way, but in sixth grade, I got in pretty big trouble and basically had to transition from there into the public school system, Okay, which is what I really wanted. Like, I, I honestly, like, okay. I'd, I think preschool to sixth grade with the same group of kids is okay. pretty suffocating. Okay. And a couple other kids along the way transferred to the same public school and, you, wanted you know, go. felt like that would be a soft landing, but also just want to experience something like completely new. And, okay. I, and I remember the feeling also, it's just as a side note of like the terror of like, I wanted the freedom to dress myself hmm. and not be in uniform. And that first day of school being like, I have no idea what, the, what I want to wear. <laughs> Um, did, did you did you know when you were getting in trouble or whatever catalyzed it that you wanted to get out at that moment in time? Yeah, I mean, I campaigned basically. Wow. To get out of that that Christian school for quite some time, right. and then uh, you know, ended up at the public school. Public school. I actually really enjoyed the public school, you but it, it brought along its problems. Like I did not go to a public school in a particularly good area. Like I, Got it. you know. At that point in time, I was living in the Inland Empire. Shout out IE. And <laughs> like, you know, people don't realize how, you know, maybe people around this area, because if we are in the San Inez Valley, understand how rural it gets outside of the cities yeah, in California. Yeah, like when yeah. people say rural America in California, people think that they're talking about Alabama, but they're right. just talking about it like actually an hour or two outside of right. LA, San Francisco, right, San right, Diego. Right. IE is no exception to that. And the IE has been a rough place, right? Mm. I was in an Uber the other day and when I told him I was from the IE, he like he remembers this. He was like, yo, like that was that was a rough place to be back in those days because small history here, what happened was after Rodney King happened mm. in the 90s mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, what you mm -hmm. had was a massive influx, massive exodus of black folks leaving LA. Mm -hmm. And going more and more inland. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening, and I want to be very careful when I say this, because the two are correlated, not necessarily causal. When when you had that that exodus, you also had a lot of gangs that also followed mm. the bloods, the crips, followed inward, right? And that's not to say that the black community that moved inward brought problems with it. Mm. More like sort of the vicious cycle of what happened with those gangs was that they then started to prey and hunt closer and closer to those communities inward because they themselves were also trying to get away from mm, the LAPD. Got it. Right? And where they landed was a place where they basically ran up against what we now know to be like the Proud Boys of the world, right? The modern white supremacist right, groups, right. the Confederate flag waved wow. where I grew up because really? we had a big NASCAR racetrack. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. And so you actually had a lot of skirmishes did between you feel it? Did you know? Did you know when it was being waved, you knew what it meant? Oh, yeah. You did. I mean, that's why like when anyone makes some comment about the Confederate flag defending it, it's like yeah. anybody who's seen the Confederate flag growing mm. up doesn't know what it is, right? Wow. Um, but I digress, like to get back on track here, yeah, like sure. the point being the public school was actually kind of a dangerous place to be, right? Yeah, like yeah. kids were getting gunned down in the street and shit. Um, and like what I was, what I realized from that experience is I really, I really was glad I had that experience in the public school system. I, I recognize like the failures of, of it in a lot of ways. Like it's actually pretty surprising, you know, the stuff you learn in seventh, eighth grade as mm -hmm. you're hitting puberty, for example, like sexual education. Mm -hmm. Like drug education, a lot of my knowledge base today, I realize that I have weird muscle memory where I think the wrong thing, mm -hmm. even though I now have learned the right thing. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't understand 
certain things about those sensitive subjects in the way that I sh- that I uh, innately should. Right. Right. Because right. like I was taught the wrong thing. Right. 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 Like I was taught, you know, just say no. I was taught like yeah, yeah, yeah. abstinence is the best form of, mm. of contraception. Right. And um, and so like. I ended up inevitably, because of the same kind of root problems that were happening in personal life, I got in trouble again uh, in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And you know, to bring it all back, my mom was terrified about the idea of me going to the public school. Mm-hmm. New public school that was just built, but like right. uh, you know, it was really built like to look like a prison. Like so wow. we we were just like, this is, you know, my mom's like, this is not the right choice, you know? Yeah. And so um we toured a bunch of schools in, in California and, uh, you know, Don, to keep it real, was like, that was not my first choice, mm. you know? Um, but that was the right choice, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, and I was very lucky, very, very lucky that when I landed here, uh, the school had, while the school had always had sort of a revolving door of a lot of premier teaching talent, yeah, I hit the revolving door perfectly. Wow! Like every year I was here, there was either a teacher I had just for one year, mm-hmm. or a teacher who had just come to Dunn, mm-hmm. and, and that was new, and I benefited from, from their teaching. Wow. If I if I was one year off, I would have not benefited from that at all. Wow! Yeah. So it's going to be interesting for people to listen to this, see who you are in the world right now, hear you say you were a redemption project in high school, yeah, uh, a high school that is a private school, and uh, also hear that you kind of lucked through the process. Who was the first teacher in your journey who really saw you, whether it was at Dunn or prior, who really saw you? Yeah, I mean, Willie Haig, right? Willie Haig. I mean, unfortunately, just retired. Fortunately and unfortunately, I'm happy for him that he retired because yeah. he earned it. But like yeah. Willie Haig, man, like Willie Haig was my advisor at Dunn. Wow. And he taught honors math. Okay. So I had him every step of the way, yeah. both personally and professionally wow. throughout my high school wow. career. And if you don't know, look him up because this man, like he might be the GOAT. Like he might be the greatest <laughs> of all time of teachers. Wow. Like- you know, there's no like Hall of Fame for these things. We yeah. don't track these like we do sports. Yeah. But like, if you if you actually sat in a room with this guy, yeah, and saw him teach, okay, like y'all just elicited my bio, right? So yeah. like, all those places I've ever been, yeah, I've never met a teacher better than Willie Haig. Willie Haig, never. Okay, so you're giving the Willie Haig Hall of Fame induction speech. That's right. And now you have to tell us the stories. As to why Willie Haig is that person, we know we we know you know in terms yeah. of pedigree. But tell us what was going on in those advisories and classrooms that made him so special. I mean, first off, just God given talent, mm. right? Let's just be honest. Like there are certain things that people are they were just born to do. Yeah, and Willie Haig was born to be a teacher. Yeah, just think about how everything I was told in my background, and then mm. we're talking about like a white Scottish dude who teaches math. Okay. Like that is not a recipe for success. So you walk the two in his class, right? Yeah, what is he doing? But that? he's just that good, right? Like everyone, he's first off, you know, he's the most charming dude out there. Right. He's so charismatic and he's so funny, right? He's so freaking funny and he's able to make jokes about math, okay. right? Not in like just in like the corny, campy way from Ghostbusters. <laughs> like <laughs> this dude, like actually. 
makes his own original material okay. about math, and it kills. Wow. And he's great at improving. He's great. He he's, he is amazing at the feeling the finger of the pulse of any given class. Okay. Whether it be an honors class okay. or a basic class. Wow. Right? And knowing when to turn the tide, right? Knowing wow. when he needs to pop the joke in, knowing when people are falling asleep wow, wow, after wow. lunch, like, and you need to really just get people going. You know, the other thing that he did is he was also incredibly honest with people about, like, if you look at the curriculum of his class, he was, he was pretty honest with people and pretty ahead of his time in terms of understanding that, like, computation was quickly going away. Mm. We live in a world where, where you know, smartphones hadn't come out yet, but mm-hmm. even on your regular Motorola Razr, there was a calculator. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the, really the way of thinking mm-hmm. in terms of, like, understanding whether it be geometry or yeah, yeah. trigonometry or calculus, right? Yeah. The, the way of thinking was more important than just the computation itself. So he's in vanguard of thinking. He tells jokes. Uh, he's he's uh, dramatic. He's able to attract the attention of people. He reads the room. How and self-aware. He, and self-aware. But how does he get you to open up about yourself? What does he do? Yeah, I mean, look, like, there are very few selfless people in this world. Mm. Like, actually selfless. Yeah. I'm not one of them. And, like, like Willie is a guy who, I mean, I don't know the tale of the tape, like, how many promotions he's actually taken. But I imagine he's turned down more than he's actually taken. Because for him, mm. like, it's all just about the teaching, about the students. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that really shows, right? Mm. There's no hidden agenda here. Mm. Like, you're talking about a teacher that saw me. I'm talking about what everyone sees in him. Wow. Right? Everyone sees right through him. Wow. And what they see is the best form of transparency, the best form of self-awareness, wow. the best form of substance, right? Okay. Where it's just like, this dude is just going to care about you, right? He's just going to care about you no matter who you are, and he just wants mm. what's best for you. That's, you and isn't that not the goal of like every of teacher that you'd want to have is like not the latter, right? Fair. But you. Well, how did you change? So you go, you, you become a better mathematician, certainly. You learn, you learn <laughs> yeah. information. But how do you change as a human being? From you, Willie? Yeah, you were a troubled youth, you said before. Oh. And you meet Willie. Like, yeah, I mean, like, first of all, it's just having an authority figure that, like, you're just, you know, you just really vibe with in that uh-huh. way, you know? Because I think, I think one of the things that is sort of the, the like, synthesis of everything I'm saying mm-hmm. is the best teachers, the best of anyone. When I say God-given talent, the best of anyone who does anything, the real virtuosos, they make it seem mm. so easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When Steph jacks up a three from the logo, yeah. it looks like he's just doing it effortlessly. Right? Steffortlessly. Steffortlessly. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. Willie just did, right? Yeah. And so you want to try to break it down and explain yeah. it. I get that, right? So like let's just say given he's got God-given talent. All right, so let's just move that aside here. Yeah, let's say, yeah. talk about all the other things. Is talent without work is nothing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the work that he's put in, that I imagine he's put in, is mm. to to know how to like deal with kids from all different backgrounds. Right, right, right. Meet them where they are. Right, right. I also think that he understands how to be self-effacing. Mm. Like the average teacher, and this is this is very much. Let's say this is very much ahead of the curve again for his time in terms of the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, which is to say that like, now in the way we think about education, I, I feel comfortable saying this as an educator, like with authority, like I think the way we think about education now is like, how do you actually 
like gain the real respect of students in a way that is sort of friendly mm. for like a better word. Yeah. And like he was probably ahead of the curve in the sense that most mm. of his contemporaries mm. came through with authority. Right. Right. You respect me because I'm your teacher. Right. You respect me as the Leviathan. Right. 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 And Willie was like, no, nah, I'm going to be your homie. Right. He's going to build a community. Right. And yeah. that's just way different. It's wow. just a way different approach. Someone who, like that. who like, he's not making jokes so that you laugh at him. You, He's making jokes so that we could all laugh together. That's right. That's right? right. And that's, that's such right. a big, big difference. That's right. That's awesome. Um, I give you a magic wand. You get to pull five teachers from your life together for a dinner. Uh, you can play it any way you want, right? Yeah. Who are you bringing? Uh, who's my starting five? Okay. Uh, um, no. Well, we know the ones, Willie, right? Mm. First ballot Hall of Famer, arguably mm. the GOAT. Uh, two, Aaron Cook. Mm. Another Dunn student here, uh, sorry, Dunn teacher here, was very lucky that, again, I hit her revolving door, her First year was my senior year. Wow. And I benefited from her, like, literally writing my college applications. Wow. You know, which well, otherwise I wouldn't have done. what did she teach? Let people know. She taught, um, she taught history of the civil rights movement. Mm. And I remember thinking uh, my junior year, sex was my junior year. Yeah. Before I signed up. Yeah. I'll keep it a buck with you. And I haven't even told her this. I, like, saw the name. I Googled her. I gleaned you know, that she was of a certain identity. Yes. And I was like, man, I just got to take this class to see what this white girl has to say about civil rights. I see, <laughs> I, I like, see. I was like, really? Wow. This white woman was going to teach civil rights? Wow. And she was incredible at wow, it. Wow, amazing. And, you know, benefited from wow. not just her, again, incredible teaching talent and her own passion, but, you know, she at the time was wrapping up a project at the King Institute at Stanford. That's amazing. Working under Clay Carson, yeah. the King biographer. Wow. Um, by King, I mean Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Wow, wow, wow. Um, and she was fantastic. And, you know, number three would be Jean Michon, who's still here to this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the and, best. And, one of, and he taught you what? Um, AP English language. Ooh, okay. Um, one of the best at just being a fantastic... Uh, a fantastic listener of mm. children. Mm. <laughs> Sorry to all the students who are listening to this who are like, I'm not a child, I'm a teenager now, right? It's like, no, like, I mean, like, he just really listens to you and, yeah. and sees you in a way that is incredibly personal. We did a journal project with him and, you know, like sort of as pen pals, I, I talked through some of, like, some of the biggest challenges of my life, yeah. which happened that junior year yeah. with him just through the writing, yeah. right? And... Um, this is no disrespect to him. I can't remember much about what we did curricularly, wow. you know, in that class. I just remember him and the way he made me feel. Well, and what, I think that you wow. know the reason why you'd want him on the roster as well is he's a fantastic glue guy, right? Yeah. He 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 holds a lot of people together from different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, number four, uh, I'd go with this woman Evelyn Huang, who I don't think she's actually teaching anymore. Uh-huh. But she was an instructor at the D School at Stanford. Wow, yeah. Um, which, for those who don't know, the D School, yeah. quote unquote, the design school yeah, at Stanford, yeah. incredibly innovative place in terms of the way people think. Yeah. A lot of people go there, not in terms of the traditional sense of design, but it's yeah. almost an alternative to like business school yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an alternative to engineering school right, because right. it teaches you a way of thinking that is, is so vastly different Innovation. than anything you could ever experience. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. Um, 
And she was just a fantastic instructor and just handling all that. Um, and you know, knew, knew how to blow people's brains out and also went to kind of reel back a little bit and make sure they knew how to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the last spot, certainly not the least, is uh, the good Reverend Charles Howard ah. over at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Currently the um, vice provost of social justice and the mm-hmm. chaplain, uh, which for those of you who don't know, University of Pennsylvania is my alma mater. Mm-hmm. And um, unlike a lot of schools where the chaplain position is sort of a single religious position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Penn is a Quaker school. Yeah. Which means it's accepting of all religions. So mm-hmm. The chaplain is one of those important members of student life mm-hmm. beyond just being, you know, for Chaz, a Christian minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, is, he is charged with being well-versed mm. in all the religions yeah. All elements of student life. Yeah. And at the time that I went in there, one of the things that most impressed me about him wow. was, you know, particularly like he was sort of at a crossroads with students who were getting involved with sort of the the, the Jewish Islam debate amongst mm. Palestine post nine right, eleven. Right, right, right. And the way that he you saw him bring people together wow. was a was singular, wow. honestly, in my lifetime for that debate. Wow. Um and and he taught a class uh, that was a graduate level class focused on multicultural education. That's wonderful. Which again, super ahead of his time, right? Yeah, now everyone's yeah. got a DEI something. He was doing it before. Yeah. Was sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my sixth man, uh, also at Penn, I'm giving it to you as a bonus, Andy Lamas. Um, fantastic in terms of pedagogy. Yeah. I mean, really him, Chaz, and Willie in terms of pedagogy, you know, yeah. they, they could go shot for shot um willie still got the edge though but but andy was something like i'd never seen before because he also was like like this this is a man who's like a self-proclaimed marxist yeah 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 yeah. right this is a guy who like Mm. has ideas and philosophies that are Mm. that are so different than what i've been exposed to Mm -hmm. especially coming from like a farm town like dunn Mm -hmm. and it's incredible the way that he does it and, and the way he disarms you. Because what mm-hmm. he does is he takes all of his law. Lo- he's a trained lawyer, actually, mm-hmm. and then became an academic. He takes all of his lawyering mm-hmm. and all of his litigation expertise, and instead mm-hmm. of like assaulting you with it, he uses it to disarm you and peel back the layers until you're left with like you're essentially arguing against yourself, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, like this guy really just Jedi mind tricked me." Mm-hmm. And you can't help but feel a tremendous respect wow, for wow. the way that he did it. You know, he's never. He will never argue with you directly. He will always just smile at you and then like present the questions and ask you to respond sort of mm. Socratically. Mm. And then you're like, you know, one of the things that blew my mind that he said, this is a provocative idea, is he was like, he was like talking about um, sort of the new forms of slavery. And he mm-hmm. was like, as a Marxist, right? He's like, mm-hmm. well, capitalism did that. Here's how. Mm. He's like, if you, you know, back in the days of, you know, American slavery, you had slaves on a farm, you mm. had to pay them, you, mm. had to, you had to not pay them, of course, you have to feed them, scratch that, you did not pay them, to be very clear, for the record, you did not, they did not pay those people. Mm-hmm. You, so back in the days of American slavery, you had to house them, you had to feed them, mm-hmm. you had to provide, you know, the basic level of healthcare that was not necessarily humane, Mm-hmm. but enough to protect your investment mm-hmm. as property. Mm. 
And the argument he made when they moved to the sharecropper model after slavery and the way the legacy of that has has persisted today is he was like, well, now mm. you get to have yep. slave owners yep. who don't even have to provide yep. for the slaves, who don't even have to take mm-hmm. uh, costs out of their own bottom line. Yeah. You make them do it for themselves mm-hmm. and you have to pay them, but you pay them barely enough to make the margin, right? You're paying mm. them less than it took to take care of the housing, food, mm-hmm. and healthcare of that property. And that was like, mm. right, to be like, oh yeah, this is the way to really understand mm. uh, and, and in an abstract way the, mm-hmm. the sort of subtle beast that is oppression. That's right. Yeah. Wow. You had one of the most unique answers on the podcast because when I ask people about the wave the magic wand, Sometimes people go uh, uh, bring all their humanities teachers to the table. They'll bring all their elementary school teachers to the table. They'll bring all their, you know, and there's something that ties them together. You picked a math teacher, a history teacher, an innovation teacher, a writer, spirituality, uh, uh, and and economics. I mean, you've, co- you've covered, you know, the basis of curriculum. Really, in but your not time, right? They're also yeah. all late stage. Yeah, it's amazing, right? They also yeah. I can't cite an elementary or junior high school teacher that I would want here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate that answer. Uh, I know what you said will inspire a lot of people. Uh, this season, we are focusing on entrepreneurs. It's my last question to you. Uh, you are an entrepreneur. You you do a lot of things from uh, your writing, your directing. Um, as an artist, as a as a creative mind, as a as a thought leader, um, who inspired you to become an entrepreneur? I'm gonna go with my mom. Wow. Yeah, I mean, my mom. Hmm. Entrepreneurship is, in many ways, uh, there's there's a modern definition of it, hmm. right? Like before, entrepreneurship <laughs> meant specifically you were. You were trying to yeah. start a Fortune 500 company all That's on right. your own. Now entrepreneurship, I think, uh, percolates at every level. That's so right. the revisionist history on my mom would be that she was not a small business owner. No, she was an entrepreneur. Yeah, uh, and that she was not a dentist, but a healthcare entrepreneur. Got it. Right. Got it. So my mom Got is, it. you know, mm. essentially was a, as a single mom, yeah. a woman of color, yeah. who had her own private practice as a dentist during mm-hmm. a time period where that was a very difficult thing. In Inland Empire. In the Inland Empire, yeah. right? Like like these days, you know, like wow. like it's almost a stereotype. Like you you want like an Asian dentist, right? Mm. You want an Asian doctor. Mm. Um, but not then. But not then. Yeah. No, not then, right? And definitely not a woman. No. And so she couldn't buy into any practice group, you know, wow. in the city. So she went where she could afford wow. to own a practice and where they would let her. Wow. As well as where the need was, right? Mm. And, and particularly in these black and brown communities where healthcare is there's a gap. And, you know, people like to kind of scoff at dentistry that is like not real healthcare. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'll just bring, I'll just boil it down to this, right? Like number one cause of heart attacks. Plaque in the teeth. Mm. Right? People don't know that stuff, right? So people have terrible teeth, terrible gums. 
they're out here dying, right? Heart disease is still the number one killer in this wow, country. Wow, wow. A, a big fraction of that is is oral care. Wow. And people just don't know. Wow. Right? Um, and so, like, hmm. for her to deal with management of a staff as a woman, dealing with, like, you know, outside vendors, dealing hmm. with very difficult clients. Yeah. Um, patients, I should say. Hmm. Uh, to run the business you know do or have to deal with the accounting all that like there's so much i remember when i was a kid that she complained about that i now complain about wow. and it's everything's made us closer right we were already pretty close but yeah, now we're yeah, like yeah. even closer because it's just like truly yeah, i know everything yeah. that she was going through of course just in a different field hmm. wow that's powerful uh you started in you started your story with your mom and you ended it with your mom uh, yeah you know we talk about you know her her role in helping you navigate your journey and her uh, she has an inspiration for you right yeah. so beautiful yeah for sure um so i know what you said will inspire others to share and reflect and notice the people in their lives um also as people listen to this uh, especially as we talk about teachable moments and inspiration for entrepreneurship i hope they find your story as one that inspires them as well i hope so too and i, I also yeah. want to like in closing say that for my mom you know, for anyone out there who's listening who comes from a community color or blue collar or, or immigrants, yeah. like, I am very, very lucky, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it is not lost on me that I am very lucky that I get to do art for work. Mm -hmm. And that my mom, in her own way, mm -hmm. is an artist. Mm -hmm. Both personally like, yeah. you know a lot of the a lot of the sort of paintings and stuff she did growing up but as a dentist she's really a sculptor right she right, right, she right. sculpts teeth like right. she has a very specialized form smiles. of dentistry yeah right yeah. she's the architect behind smiles yeah and dentistry was the practical form for her art right right she's the heart of an artist yes but as an immigrant to this country mm -hmm. She had to be practical. That's right. And make that sacrifice mm -hmm. that defined her life mm -hmm. so that I could become a professional artist. Wow. And that will never be lost on me. Wow. And that will always be the legacy of my mother is not just all the things that we mentioned wow. that moms do. That's right. But that she empowered me to be a second generation artist wow. of color. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. Well, thank you, Justin. Appreciate you, man. Anytime. Yeah. So, the Whole Student Podcast brought to you in partnership with Duncast, produced by JD Scroggin, the Director of Marketing and Communication at Dunn School, and co produced by Brandon Scott of Comfort Food. You can subscribe to the Whole Student Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple.